from Washington. This is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. It's easy to forget sometimes, but the way people are taxed in the United States is really closely tied to real estate. State and local taxes, which comprise roughly one-third of every tax dollar Americans pay, are heavily dependent on property values, according to many experts. But while it may be easy to forget that fact, it's very difficult to forget how intertwined real estate in the U.S. is with race, from segregation to redlining and on and on and on. Donnie Charleston is a public policy researcher who's been looking into how all of these things affect each other. He's worked on federal, state, and local fiscal policy at the Urban Institute, and he just joined a new organization, E Pluribus Unum, that researches issues of race, class, and equity in the American South. Donnie, who is black himself, spoke with Bloomberg Tax's Yuri Nagano about how white taxpayers enjoy lots of benefits that people of color often don't and about how important it is to look at state and local taxes when examining these issues. For every tax dollar we pay, um, 36% of that, 36 cents of that tax dollar goes to state and local government. And very few people are looking at that 36 cents that we pay for every dollar in terms of what we're getting for that dollar and the structure of how that dollar is actually uh, 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 created from the standpoint of where we're driving that revenue from, who's paying, and what are people getting for that dollar. Right. Um, and you actually found quite, a, you've been finding patterns, right? Re- especially related to how um, communities of color, especially blacks and Latinos, are actually quite impacted. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking at. And so I think, so it's like I said, this is a very arcane subject, uh, subject area. And so everything from, so if you're looking at, for example, the mortgage interest deduction, for example, um, we find that, for example, uh, African American communities and Latino communities don't receive the same benefit from the mortgage introduction that white families receive from the mortgage introduction, primarily um, in part because, rather, um, that the standard deduction on your taxes, uh, for example, um, if you don't have a certain amount of income or if your income is below a certain level, you're not itemizing. So you're not able to take advantage of the mortgage interest deduction. Um, and so that means that a huge number of low-income families of all colors, but in particular African-American Latino families, aren't able to avail themselves of the mortgage interest deduction because they, because they, may, they don't itemize on their taxes. And so it's a, it's a, um, a provision in the tax code that disproportionately benefits higher-income taxpayers. And the reality is that the provision is argued to be something that encourages home ownership, but we have very little research to support that idea that it actually encourages home ownership. What it does, in fact, is it encourages people to buy homes that cost more than they normally would buy. What's being done? Um, do you know if there's been any anything done to sort of level the playing field um, or, or not? Maybe it's just systemically sort of uh, embedded right now. Um, it's, 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 you're, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's very much a systemic issue. It's a structural issue. Um, there are different states that are doing better jobs than others. Um, different communities are doing better jobs than other communities. Um, so uh, ITEB, Institute for Taxation, Taxation and Economic Policy, um, used to publish every year this report, Who Pays? And so they were able to look at um, an analysis to see um, which states had the better systems as it relates to um, the, uh, the, the tax code from the standpoint of whether it was regressive or progressive. So you have states that um, are doing the worst job in their rankings, you know, states like Texas and Florida um, and a number of other states, um, and principally because of how their tax systems are structured, uh, over-reliance on sales taxes, 
um, and, and other taxes and consumption taxes, rather, as compared to um, income taxes or having a flat income tax as opposed to a graduated income tax. And so all that being rather regressive. So you have um, low income people um, bearing a disproportionate uh, burden from the standpoint of actually supporting the overall state and local communities. And so um, that's, you know, very like so that's structurally and embedded. So very few communities have really done anything to really tweak that. Um, you have communities like the District of Columbia is probably one of the more progressive communities in the country from the standpoint of how their systems are structured. Um, and so it's, it's, the states are all over the map. So it, there is not a lot of movement currently to address those structures. I mean, it's hard work. I mean, once you have a system in place with respect to taxation, it's very hard to go in and tweak that and change that. I mean, you can look merely at questions that we've had percolate from time to time about getting rid of the mortgage interest reduction. And you see a hue and cry from, you know, all over the country uh, that regarding how, keeping that in place. Um, and so it, it's difficult to change those things once they're in place. And so it will, will require a Herculean effort on behalf of state and local communities to really um, muster the, the, the will to go in and make some serious structural change if we're going to uh, really um, address issues like equity, like the wealth gap and so forth. And mortgage, really property taxes, like that sort of uh, mortgage rate, uh, you know, interest deductions, those are actually quite big. They play, they impact us quite in a large way, doesn't it? Oh, most definitely. And so if you look at the local level, um, particularly in local communities, like city and county level, the property tax is usually the primary source of revenue for those communities. Um, and so um, in, in many communities, what you have is a system whereby, um, in particular for, for example, one of African-American communities, um, they are paying a disproportionate share of property taxes as compared to their white counterparts. So you can have a community whereby two homes, one owned by an African-American in an African-American neighborhood, one owned by a white person in a white neighborhood, and the houses can be very similar with similar amenities and so forth, but typically the black taxpayer is paying more from the standpoint of the, the assessment on his tax as compared to the, the white homeowner. Um, and many of that is due to protocols for how communities actually assess properties and the, the, the reevaluation rates and whether that's, done, whether that's done on a timely basis and how that all interacts with um, how property appreciates over time. And so you may have a white neighborhood where that property appreciates very rapidly in the next three to five years. And so they're getting the benefit of that assessment that occurred in, for example, 2000 as compared to 2003 when their property went up by 5, 10, 15, or 20 percent, whereas in African community, that same property may not have arisen that much, even though they're talking about similar homes. And so the, the, the assessments are, are have baked in because of that structural uh, mechanism um, inequities. Yeah, and, and uh, I think you had said in the past that that actually does come from Jim Crow era type of uh, segregation efforts where uh, there was a concerted effort to just keep the, uh, the colored communities separate from the white communities, right? Yes, and so there was a concerted effort to, like I said, to separate those communities, to carve out enclaves of, of, of opportunity for white citizens as compared to black citizens. And then, like I said earlier, the compounding of other things like redlining, um, and then you move on up in time, you had white flight from um, urban centers in particular, and the creation of the modern suburbs. And so all of these factors kind of, you know, co really compound that initial um, uh, uh, those initial acts earlier in, in, in time from the standpoint of post-reconstruction and, and, and the imposition of those tax systems. Um, and so we've seen that evolution over time that has really um, created these communities that, that, that have never really had a, 
a, a fair start, if you will. And so, th so there's a need for investment in those communities to address those prior wrongs. I mean, oftentimes you want to talk about the systems as, a, as they exist today without really looking back in time to really address the um, past wrongs that are still playing out and impacting those communities today. That was Donnie Charleston, Director of Public Policy and Advocacy at E Pluribus Unum, speaking with Bloomberg Tax's Yuri Nagano from his home in Northern Virginia. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard, or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Today's episode of Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Josh Block. Kathy Larson is our editor. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts.